Hello and welcome to Two Girls in a Pod. I'm Sharon. I'm Christy. You know, we get so excited when we get to have a guest on our show, but we really are excited when it's a guest that we've been friends with for many years and we get to catch up with and kind of just see what your journey has been like in uh, the time that we haven't talked. So today we have Renee Valdez and we actually met Renee at Adam State University. She was a professor there. So welcome, Renee. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Like I said, we met you at Adam State University. Tell us a little bit, what were you teaching then and how did you get to that place? So we're going to do this in kind of little steps of your your life because you come from, where are you originally from? I am from Antonito, Colorado, and I was born and raised in the San Luis Valley. And I went to school at Antonito High School, class of 83, go 83, go Trojans. Yeah. And I don't know if I would say that because I'm from the Valley too. And, you know, we were not big fans of Antonito. They were (laughs) competed against them. Go Tiger. We're just a couple of Valley girls. (laughs) You know it. I know. But I was so fortunate to be able to work at Adams. You know, I started out, I got my undergraduate degree there and my master's degree. And I was doing a lot of things, worked with the mental health center in in the San Luis Valley, worked with the adolescent health program through Valleywide Health Services, having a total blast and had the opportunity when Dr. Weldon, I don't know if you guys remember Dr. Weldon, he retired. One of his classes was human sexuality. And it was right up my alley. I was working in the AIDS field. I was doing a lot of case management with HIV AIDS patients and and working with uh, STD prevention and going into the high schools and talking to kids about being smart when they have sex and, you know, all kinds of good things. So I really had to beg Don Bass <laughs> at, uh, at Adam State to let me te- try teaching this class. And he did. And so um, that was the first class I taught. And I think, you know, I don't even remember when that was, but it was a total blast. And since then, I taught in the psychology department and I added, you know, of course, the regular stuff like the gen psych and and uh, adolescent and adult development and abnormal psych and all those fun classes. But my favorite, of course, was human sexuality and that, you know. And we were so fortunate to get to to take a couple of your classes. We really enjoyed it. Yeah, we did take human (laughs) sexuality with you. And it was such a blast because I think it uh, educated uh, quite a few people in the class because I think there are so many stereotypes and particularly about the LBGTQ plus community. Right. the one that always stands out in our mind is which one, Christy? Mm. When she had the panel. Yes, when you had the panel that came in and talked to the class. And Were you the infamous panel when I had, okay, so I tried to have the gamut represented, you know, for all the way from hetero to homosexual. And I had one of the uh, nurses or lab people from, from Conejos County Hospital who happened to be a lesbian. And it, I remember that panel and... I taught it like a seminar so people could ask whatever, anything they wanted, they could ask. And I remember one guy raised his hand and I think he was going for shock value. And he asked my friend, is it true that all lesbians bind their breasts? And it happened that she had very flat, a very flat chest. Well, she stood up and to my amazement and my shock, she lifted her shirt above her head 
and she was flat as a board. And she said, no, honey, I just had a double mastectomy. And it was just the craziest moment. I saw a lawsuit. That's all. Yeah, yeah. I, we were there. We were there <laughs> for that. And it was so wonderful to watch her expression. <laughs> I think everybody in the class was like, oh, my God, did that just happen? Right. But it was yeah. a beautiful moment because I think, once again, it really talk to the stereotypes that are often there. And, you know, you often talked about those stereotypes and about inclusivity and all of those things. So it was such an amazing uh, opportunity for us. And we were so fortunate because it was through that class that we developed this friendship. Yeah. And then you ended up leaving Adam State. I did. I thought I would never leave the Valley, but the planets lined up and the stars were great. And so I was offered a position in, in D.C. for, oh, uh, I can't even remember what it was, the Council on, on the Opportunity for Education. And it was a great opportunity. And I hated to leave Adam State, but I did. And I moved to D.C. area and did some wonderful things while I was here. I stayed with that organization for a few years. What did then they, I went, uh, go ahead. So with that particular organization, what was that about? What were you I was the director of educational services, and it was like an umbrella for talent search, upward bound, student support services, all of those programs and uh, the trio programs. And of course, I'm a product of upward bound myself in the 80s. And so it really was important, uh, an important step for me to be able to work with kids again on that higher level and be able to plan things and, and you know, lobby with uh, with senators and congressmen for more money for students like I was, which is really cool. Could, could you explain upward bound for people who don't know what that is? Yes. Upward bound is one of the hallmark trio programs, and it targets like all TRIO programs, it targets first-generation and low-income students. Students like I was, raised at poverty level with my grandparents, uh, receiving commodities and not knowing I was poor. And uh, many of us don't have the opportunity for college. And so Upward Bound identifies students like this, and it, they have a year-long component where we meet with counselors, we talk about keep us tr on track with our education in high school, and then offers us opportunities like living on a college campus for six weeks out of the summer and actually attending college courses. And sometimes I think we got college credit for that, but the main thing was getting exposure to an environment that I probably would not have gotten exposure otherwise because, you know, me in college, I, I can't afford it, but they hooked me in. So that was a great thing. Oh, yeah. You know, and I think what's really important is, you know, that there's so many people out there who don't know there are these opportunities available to them. You know, they have the desire to go further than they are, but it's mm -hmm. like they just don't know, you know, and we often talk on our podcast about the importance of following your dream, having a dream, yeah. then to be able to follow. And then, but also in following that dream is there has to be building blocks to it. And when you have those opportunities, you know, upper bound sounds like it was a building block for you. It was, and it was a continuation. My grand, I was raised by my grandparents and they were so on to education. My grandma would always tell me she was raised in the, in during the depression. So she couldn't afford to go to college 
And she told me, he thought, you got to go to school. you got to go to college, get your degree. That's something that nobody will ever be able to take away from you. And it'll you know, give you independence and some more stuff. So it was, she was the beginning of my motivation. Okay. Cause that's something else that we'd like to talk to people about, you know, is who are those people that motivate you? Because you know, whatever you're on any path, you have those moments where you just want to quit, you know, because oh, yeah. it becomes overwhelming or whatever, you know, life happens. Mm-hmm. So yeah. who's you? I think very early on, you know, of course, my grandmother was my icon. She was, I mean, she, when I was little and lived with her, I, I she raised me since I was a year old. My mom died when I was a year and a half old. So, so she, they became my pillars of, of being. And in her day, it was not commonplace for a woman to work. She was a reporter of the local newspaper, the, the gossip columnist. I mean, she would call everybody on Monday morning and say, hey, you got visitors coming. You got what's going on in your life and all this stuff. So so grandma was the first one. And then, of course, I've got the icons like MLK Jr. He was a big force in my life. Somehow, when I was very young, I don't know if I in a previous life I was African-American. I don't know what the hell, but I was very moved by readings about him and the things that he did for nonviolence, like following the ways of Gandhi. And, you know, just so he became a a real spiritual kind of, of connection for me. Of course, Malcolm X. I don't know if you know this, but Malcolm X died. As I was coming into this world, February 21st, 1965, I think we gave each other a high five on the way out and in. Oh, Oh, wow. I know. Um, He was also one of the greats. Sojourner Truth, who was a woman in the 1800s who, you know, struggled for freedom from slavery and also was fighting for the women's right to vote way back then. So those are just an example. Cesar Chavez, who was oh, fighting yeah. for you know the the workers in the fields and and arguing that and and fighting for us and the struggle and all that. I mean, it, all these people are in my history. Dolores Huerta, who was right next to uh, Cesar Chavez, who was just going for it, you know, fighting for my rights as a Latina, and, and you know, just so many people that that uh, helped me out in in leading the way for for things that I want to do still. Nice, right? yeah. So then you went on to do this program and you obviously didn't stay. How, did you stay there? Did you move on from that? What happened? God and the universe and Mother Earth got together and they decided that my life was boring and didn't have enough excitement. And so in 2014, 2013, I lost my eyesight, which totally threw my butt to uh, through a curve I was uh, minding my own business and somehow I was diagnosed with this crazy autoimmune disease, VKH, and it's a syndrome of kind of symptoms, but the one that I really was affected by was blindness. My retina is totally detached very suddenly and within a month or two, I was totally blind. Excuse the pun, but I was totally blindsided. I didn't see this coming. Right. Who would? <laughs> I know. So that had a huge impact on the trajectory of my life. I changed up. I mean, before I was, this happened to me, I was working as an independent consultant, doing trainings around the United States for 
TSA supervisors, Bureau of Prison supervisors, leadership kinds of things, and just having a blast, you know? Okay, so wait, we, you went from a position where you were doing these this TRIO program to this other job. Well, in between there, I had a few things. I worked with the American Psychological Association. I was the director of educational services for graduate students, working with doctoral students in that capacity, setting up mentor programs with other you know, PhD level professionals, that kind of thing. I got to be a high school counselor at Maya Angelou Public Charter School, which is an inner city school in the Shaw District of DC, which was totally cool working with kids. And what I learned there, even though, you know, you had to pass through metal detectors going in and out the building, even though one of my students lost his gun in the school and we had to shut the school down to find it, the valuable lessons I learned there, kids just want to connect. And I would try to connect with them and, and they'd say, you know what, you're going to be gone. Why would we want to, you know, get to know you? And what they said was true because I did go and I left them and that was, you know, a big deal. But, and then from there, I started doing independent consulting. I worked with DC government as a supervisor for workforce development. And I did that, I think for a couple of years and that was a blast. And, and that got me into doing this independent training for American systems out here in, in DC. So, so yeah, that's, that's all the stuff I did before blindness. <laughs> and yeah. then life happened and blindness came. And then, uh-huh. so how did that, you, you said it kind of changed a lot of things, obviously, but how did you handle that emotionally and mentally? Cause that can really mess with you. I can't imagine. I wasn't very good at it in the beginning to quite truthfully, I didn't take it very well. My career was over. As far as I was concerned, my life was over. I was done. I stayed on the couch with my little pit bull watching forensic files while listening to the music of forensic files because I couldn't see the TV. And um, I drank a lot. I mean, quite honestly, I don't know if this is what you want to hear, but I became an alcoholic, guys. I started drinking and that's the only escape that I that I had because for that first time, for the first time in my life, I didn't have a direction. I didn't know what I was going to do tomorrow. I didn't have my calendar in front of me saying, oh, yeah, you got this uh, presentation and this, da, 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 all these things. I was, as far as I was concerned, I was dead. Go ahead. But you also find, though, because even early on when your grandmother said get that education because that's independence, I think that people don't understand how much we rely on our senses, vision being one. And how much independence that provides us in a way. Yeah. Yeah. All of a sudden, I couldn't drive. I had to learn how to get around. So public transportation. My honey, of course, was very supportive and wonderful, but he worked. And so I had to find out what services are there for people who are blind. Didn't know. But we get led and we, we talk to people and we learn these things. And so now, you know, I'm hooked in with public transportation. I, I have door-to-door service through Metro Access, which is like a, you know, a, a service for people who are handicapped in some way. I hate that word, but, and here's where the angels come out and sing. Okay. I found a new purpose. It was like, okay, I was doing all these great things as I wanted to do them. And this thing that I didn't sign up for, that I had no clue how to navigate, I got hooked in with, I don't know if I can do this, but National Federation of the Blind, 
is a national organization made up of people who are blind. It's not for the blind, it's of the blind, making our own way. And so I learned through getting involved in local chapters and, and all this stuff that my life is, for one thing, not over. And so I got involved and now I'm serving as a mentor for blind high school and college students. Uh, once again, working with, with adolescents that I love. I'm serving as committee chair for the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee for our state. I'm doing legislative advocacy, going to meet with senators and congressmen and telling them, okay, you guys got to get off your duffs and do these things that greatly affect my community now that I'm this blind person. And it's like I, I dug my way out of this hole with the help of a lot of people. And now I feel like I have some direction. Right. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, and oftentimes I talk with people because I work with uh, people who sometimes have those things, you know, where life happens. Uh, I work a lot with the military veterans and stuff like that. And stuff happens. They lose their ability to do this, that, or the other. And Mm -hmm. helping them to bridge that thing of you're not going to be who you were because you can't be. So who can you be now, this new improved kind of version of who you are? And that's like, a it's kind of a hard thing to navigate sometimes you know oh my god i you know i still mourn my career it still aches me every time i see somebody doing something great uh you get those linkedin celebration things and it's like it still pulls at my heart because i was having such a blast in my career and i was you know of course making a lot of money and 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 networking and doing all this stuff and it's an adjustment. It's an adjustment to let that part of me go and realize that, you know what, that's not the only thing I can do. And I'm learning, you know, different things. I'm learning other things. And it, and you're right. I'm the same person, but not exhibiting or, or manifesting my life in the same way. Right. Absolutely. And I think that sometimes we think we lose who we are when we develop you know, when life happens, like you said, you get blindsided with the, something yeah. that is about our physical health or, maybe, yeah. you know, you kind of feel that, that sense of loss. And you always right. tell people, you still will have grief and loss over who you were. But the thing is, is how do you embrace who you are in this moment? Yeah. How do you, how do you move forward and repurpose yeah. and, and, and look at things from a different perspective? Yeah. And now it's like, your life comes to a screeching halt and to get it going again, it takes time and it takes, you know, first of all, settling in with, you know, acceptance of what's happened and where I am. And then, you know, okay, so now what, now what do I do? That's the fun part and the challenging part. Well, I think you became, you know, you had to kind of re look at your life in the way in that you had to invest in you Mm -hmm. because when this happened to you, once again, you felt that sense of helplessness. Oh, life is done kind of thing. And then when you worked on investing, you getting involved with these organizations that really are about empowering, no matter what deficits or whatever word you want to use for them, because I don't know deficits, but you know, for lack of a better word, you know, to be able to find those organizations that are so important 
for helping us overcome things, you know, yeah. I think for us, the podcast has been something like that. You know, when we first started this, you know, we really didn't know. We knew we wanted to give back. Yeah. Uh-huh. And we kind of knew the, the direction that we wanted to take it still, still fell under the, the realm of mental health and that we wanted to promote people being mentally strong. And even when you have setbacks and things like that. So, I mean, we, we knew that we wanted to do that and have that be our focus. We are so fortunate because we really have the opportunity to interview people like you, Yes, you know, because well, it's inspiring. It. it really is because yeah. I think when our listeners hear the stories, they understand that there is going to be adversity and every single human being to some degree, big or small will have adversity. Mm-hmm. Your adversity started very young, losing your mother at such a young age, then living in poverty. And you're right. You don't know you live in poverty. No, I never knew. I think I the reason commodities. Mm-hmm. Well, it wasn't just, it, I don't even think it was just that. It's the fact that your grandparents probably never thought, of you as poor because of the relationships, the familial part yeah. of that. And yet, and I think that that's something that I, I, I loved about the Valley is that that feel of the Valley, you know, and particularly growing up in it, because, you know, we grew up in it at the same time was mm-hmm. just that sense of community and family. And, you know, I had all my, you know, you were in Antonita with your family. I was over in Delmar with mine, you know, but yeah. family support systems and stuff like that, you know, yeah. so you didn't know, you know, if you were poor, you didn't know it because that wasn't where the focus went. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Oh yeah. Yeah. I just went last year. Antonito high school had a reunion for like five classes and I went and it was just amazing to see people that I went to high school with and we were all in the same boat. We all were, you know, we all thought we were rich and we were all, you know, attending one of the poorest schools in the nation. <laughs> so, you know, we were all the same and nobody judged anybody and nobody was in a race to see who had the better thing or who had the, the newest phone or who had whatever, you know, it was just, you know, we loved each other. That was cool. And that's one of the things we talk a lot about too, is having that kind of support system. Mm-hmm. I think because sometimes we forget, we can kind of lose our way sometimes. And it's about feeling like we need something else and there will always be that space that's not doesn't have anything to fill it and sometimes realizing what fills that space you know we always are really big on promoting relationships communication within those relationships because they're so valuable it's so important and just how do you keep that going you know how do you nurture that on a daily basis right and now we have so many ways to do that I mean I hate to plug Facebook, but that's how I've gotten close to a lot of classmates is through through Facebook. That's how I keep in touch with my family on my mom's side is through Facebook. And we have a lot of venues now to be able to do that, which is kind of cool. Nobody writes letters. I think there's so many social platforms now that I think that people really are able to engage in that way and have that communication. I mean, that's how we reached out to you. And I was so amazed at how fast you answered. So people just so you know, this was so short notice. I asked her yesterday. Yeah. I told Christy, I said, you know, I really want Renee on. We've been talking about this because Renee, when we were in your class, watching the way you taught and your, your engagement with students was amazing. You could see the importance of that relationship building. Yeah. You, you really could. 
And we felt that, you know, and, and hence we were so fortunate that we, we did get to build a friendship and we had, you know, a much tighter friendship when we all lived in the Valley and, you know, it was, life happens and, you know, you go to Washington, we go and do our stuff, you know, I mean, we're still yeah. in Colorado, but that platform allowed us to reconnect with you. Yeah. So grateful that on a day's notice, I'm there like, I love that. Just kind of DM somebody and she answered. I was like, Oh my God, she answered Christy. Look, (laughs) it's yes. You can always answer to you both. (laughs) (laughs) But we so appreciate it because once again, you're in this place dealing with something like blindness because it changes your world. But do you find that blindness also opens your world? Oh my God. It really has. I mean, things that I took for granted, things that people take for granted, uh, just being able to, to go where you want when you want. I've learned patience. I've learned that life doesn't really happen on my schedule. It happens when it happens, you know, and I the lessons I've learned that when I was taking, you, you have to take, when you're blind, you got to take mobility lessons. So you learn how to use a white cane and mm-hmm. my mobility instructor, God love her. She would take me and drop me off at the subway station in DC and say, all right, I'm going to leave you here. And you're going to meet me way back in Alexandria uh, where I live at Kingstown or wherever, whatever subway station and scary as hell. But I learned that, you know what? I can't see and I need help. So I'm just going to ask the next Joe Blow or Jane Blow that I run into, all right, where is the this or that? People overall have been so friendly and helpful. And people are, I haven't had a negative experience, which tells me a lot about my world and how, I'm, how I approach it. Because I... I to give get some trust, I got to give some trust. I learned that with students. I learned that with adolescents. To get some trust, I got to give some. To be vulnerable and be open to that, and and then willing to accept what comes from that. So, man, I couldn't pay enough money to get the experiences that I've gotten in the last ten years. Yeah. Well, and I think that's true. And I think that when we talk about that vulnerability, we all have it. You know, at some point, we're all blind, and we all need some help. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But it's such a struggle sometimes to ask for it. But I think there's such a different vulnerability when you can't see what's in front of you. Yeah. You know, there has to be a fear factor to that as well. Oh, my God. It is so darn scary. I just, you don't know, like, I mean, just the this, the the mechanics of walking on a city block. I You know, my knees are still scraped up from times that I have tripped because I refused to use my white cane and I thought I could see well enough and I, you know, can't see the little step in front of me. So you total out. So it's like, yeah. Was that a little bit of pride getting in the way? Oh, much. A lot of it. <laughs> a lot of pride, a lot of ego, a lot of I can do it by myself. I don't need anybody. You How know, did you overcome that because that's such a big thing because, you know, I often tell my you know, if I have those clients that are, oh, they're like, oh my God, you're letting your pride get in the way. How, mm-hmm. you know, how is that pride serving, truly serving a purpose for you? How did you overcome that? Sometimes I still, you know, have a hard time, but I guess, you know, the whole accepting where I am right now and feeling more confident in 
my skin, you know, that totally got blown to hell when I had this little, you know, adventure, but I feel better in my skin. I'm, I'm gaining more confidence as I'm getting more plugged in. And for me, that involves giving back. I'm gaining confidence as I'm able to help others gain their place in life. And so one of the things that I've started doing is uh, working as a, a communication, kind of volunteering, kind of whatever, but for people who are newly blind, like I was, and telling them my story and spending a weekend with them and giving them tips on how do you wash your clothes now? Because that damn dial just keeps turning and, and you don't know where to stop. How do you find the, the start button on your microwave oven? Because, you know, you can't see the darn thing. So I think my pride level and my ego go down as my self-confidence goes up and my self-confidence goes up in direct relation to how much I can connect with others and help them on their journey. Does that, it sounds like all Pollyanna, but I don't care. That's the truth. No, I think that there is so much truth to that. You know, I think when, especially when you're, whether you're in the professions of helping or when you're, you know, you're out there just doing it and it's not even part of your profession, the more you give back to your community, the more you do. When we first started this, your anxiety was a little high. Yeah. Just a little bit, right? We did a whole episode. (laughs) Because, you know, the thing is, is, but one of the things we talk about, because one of the things you say about the podcast is as that it's changed a lot with, for you. Yeah. As we've continued on, I, I feel like that I, it's helped me to come out of my shell a lot more. It's still a work in progress, but I feel like that it's actually really helped me to gain confidence. Yeah. Cause you're the quiet one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> She's a loud one. Well. <laughs> This is the part people get to see. I always tell them she gets loud and talkative at night. I do this all day long. You know, I talk to people, people talk to me. And then sometimes I'll just be there like, you know, it's, you know, sometimes you just have those days as a therapist where it's a lot. I don't know why that's a day. This girl wants to talk, 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 talk. (laughs) And sometimes I finally have to go and put my (laughs) finger on her lip and say, oh, I just need a minute. Yeah, let me regroup here. Well, I've been quiet all day, so. <laughs> but now she has a dog to talk to, so she doesn't have to stay quiet. Trust me, I hear her and the dog often. <laughs> ah, yeah. But it did, you know, it, it changes. And I think also because we really do view this as us giving back. And when people listen to the podcast, they'll say, it's like getting a little bit of therapy in between stuff or just getting ideas and or, or realizing I'm not, the only one with this or whatever that is. And it does, there's something very different about it that built, like you said, the more you get back, the more you learn those things. And it's very humbling too, I think, you know. Yeah. Uh, Humility is something that, I don't know if it comes naturally, but it's something that everybody should should learn a little about, you know, is being a little humble in your shoes and, and in your body and in your heart. It adds to your experience, my experience. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, when we when people hear somebody else's story to truly understand and I always tell you every single human being is on a journey. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you might make a comment or do something I says, but sometimes if you humble yourself a little bit and learn about their journey, it's amazing. It's, it's such a give and take in those relationships and 
you get so much. I always tell my clients every day. In fact, this, every week they teach me something new. I totally appreciate it and I love it. Yeah. I don't know if you guys remember, but when I was teaching at Adams, one of my favorite things about that whole time there was on uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays, usually I would go in early, I'd make a huge pot of coffee and students would start coming in about seven ish and just sit around, you know, people would be lined up in my office, sitting on the floor, leaning against the wall, everybody drinking coffee and just laughing and talking about whatever I mean, I just love, those are the richest moments because sometimes we cry too. Sometimes somebody shared something, we're having a bad day or a bad month or whatever, but that connection with people, it's just, you can't replace that. It's just wonderful, wonderful. Mm -hmm. I remember coming by there. I know we didn't spend much time in the office because we were usually running close on time. But yeah. I do remember coming by there and, and you having your coffee and, and everybody there. That, that was cool. Well, we had, yeah. you know, so sometimes we'd have to go to Renee when she was alone, yeah. just due to our <laughs> scheduling and stuff. But I think that was what was really cool about that, Renee, is your door was always open. Yes. I yeah. don't know how you got any work done. No, I would do it, but I had a blast. Exactly. <laughs> I had a blast. That's why I had Terrence Sally. He was my work study. So I made him do everything. And, you know, I got to chit chat. <laughs> <laughs> I think, like I said, I think it's one of those things. I think you probably have inspired way more people than you realize. Yeah. You know, I really yeah. do. And, and I think after our listeners hear the episode, you're going to inspire even more people because you still have such a positive mindset about it. I know there was the dark time mm -hmm. and I don't want to minimize that dark time because it is so important for people to understand that it does happen. It and, had you know, to happen. For, you, well, for me, it had to happen. Because I had to learn some things from that. I had to experience, you know, addiction. I had to experience what that was like. You have to depend on something outside of myself to make it through my day. And now I've experienced that. And, you know, four years later, I'm cool with it. And now I can talk about that with people and, and, and understand that whole thing. So I had to go through that. Yeah. So really, you know, when you talked about the addiction piece, how was that for you to realize you didn't need that substance? It was like a no brainer after a while. I, I didn't, my honey and my, my mother-in-law kind of did an intervention with me and poor guy. I mean, he'd get home at work and what, I knew it was time to start drinking when Wolf Blitzer came on at five o'clock CNN <laughs> and that, Oh yeah, this time I bought my glass of wine well, by the time you get home, I was slurring my speech and I was like, hi, honey. You know, and it was like, who is this? So they did an intervention with me and I, I just started going to AA. It turns out I had an AA like up the street and it was like breathing again. It was like not like being able to, to see myself and that I have my own strength and I don't have to rely on something outside, whether it's a person or a thing or a beverage to get through my day. All I got to do is like get back into to myself and and see, OK, what do I have? What, what do I have to give? And I think it was just reminding, you know, myself that you, you guys, you're kind of cool in some ways. You know, you don't need to cover it up. You don't need to hide. Come out. You know, it's scary and it's new, but shoot, we've been here before. So it was freeing, I think. 
Awesome. Uh, so talk to me a little bit about this tattoo you have. How did that oh. come about? Oh my God. This tattoo, don't look at my bat wings. I started because in my history, I, you know, had some crazy behaviors. And so I started like three years ago with this piece right here. And mm -hmm. it's my Native American, you know, arrows and the, you know, little thing there. And I took this design in when I went to Colorado to a family tattoo artist. And I said, I want this because I had some scars on my arm that I wanted covered. And so he did that. Then the following year, I said, you know what? I think I want to build on that. And so he put in this piece around my wrist and this piece up to, you know, below my elbow. And it's just very, his own freehand design, you know, just Native American, Polynesian, whatever you want to call it. He just kind of followed. I told him I really like this, you know, design. Just go for it. Then I went back last year and I said, well, let's go up a little higher. So I took him my idea. The turtle is my spirit animal. And so oh, nice. I you can see this big there's a big turtle right mm -hmm. here yeah. and he had the stencil that he used and then he filled it in to match everything else he, my i added that piece and then if i can get rid of my bat wings i'm gonna just go up all the way up and you know that's kind of a little ways to go but and then i think i'm done i know it's all addicting and stuff and it might be but <laughs> we'll see yeah look at you i love it <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever say you were done? Uh, we never say never on that. <laughs> never, never, never. Yeah. But yeah, we went to uh, the tattoo artist we wanted was uh, actually close to her hometown. Uh, so we uh -huh. went to the Quad Cities. We only had so many days there and we said, we want a sleeve. Ooh. And so, yeah, never do. Okay. I did say, I will not do that again. Yeah, because we only had the week there. So he split it between the two of us and did three days consecutively with each of us working oh my like eight God. hours a day. So oh my God. It was, yeah, it was intense. Yeah, we'll do that again. And and I remember before I got tattooed, I always asked people, did it hurt? And they say, oh, no, no, it didn't hurt. Bullshit. <laughs> this thing hurt. I mean, I thought this, I thought the wrist hurt a lot. But then he got over here in the inside arm. That was the most painful thing I've ever experienced in my life. I was using Lamaze breathing to try to deal with it. You know, all that <laughs> didn't help. I mean, it was like, oh, my God, painful. So so it's just, just kind of become a little family thing you do now? Are you the only one who's doing it or uh, does your family? Do I'm the anything? only one that's doing it. My Yeah, when I go visit uh, my Aunt Bessie in, color, in uh, Denver, all her daughters, like they have uh, spot tattoos, like here and there, they put things on. And I thought my honey and I talked about it. And he said, well, you know, if you're going to do something, do it big, you know? So I did. <laughs> yeah. But, Does he have tattoos also? Yeah. He has big tattoos in different places. Okay. So he's going to close them up too. But to do what I did here in Virginia is outrageously expensive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's not even, it's not even right. So I'll wait till I go to Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> well, that makes sense. And it gives you something, you know, to bond over. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So it sounds like family's still important to you. Yeah. In fact, uh, through my blindness, I connected with one of my mom's sisters, my Aunt Bessie, who lives in Denver, who 
I never grew up with. I never knew her really. I knew of her. She has eight kids and some are my age. In fact, Bobby, my cousin, Bobby just passed away uh, last week and I got to be with him when he was, you know, in his process. But um, so through this blindness, I got close with my aunt Bessie and her kids, you know, so that was a gift. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's always amazing to me how something that you can feel is so horrible in your life when if you can work to get through it, all the amazing things that happen in that process, whether it's connection to other people, whether it's finding a new path in life, whether it's finding yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And, but it's still scary in a way because my, my eyesight still fluctuates. I don't know if I'll have the, the amount of eyesight I have. I don't know for how long I'll have that. I guess I just have to go with the punches and, and see what happens and be flexible. Whatever happens, happens. What do you mean by that? It fluctuates. Talk a little bit about that. Based on stress level, based on my med, med, anytime I change my medications, there's the fluid in the back of my eyes builds up and it, my vision goes a little haywire. It kind of looks like I picture being on LSD right now. Like there's constant flashes of light and then movement and, you know, it's kind of cool. And then I can still have enough vision that I can see, I can see your beautiful faces, but that could change, you know, the, whatever this gene is that a very rare gene that I have, you know, it's like, don't get too attached with what I've got right now, because it could diminish a little bit. It could go all together. And I guess I just got to be open. So what I'm hearing is we're beauty and psychedelics in a psychedelic kind of way. That's right. (laughs) You're psychedelically beautiful. Wow. <laughs> See this whole this whole interview was worth it just for that. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So what are your future plans? What are you thinking as far as what you want to do? Uh well, I have a whole line of t-shirts that I'm trying to I'm trying to get this business going. Online, I've designed some sarcastic t-shirts geared towards the blind. And then some, you know, other kinds of things, political. I love photography. As long as I can see just a little bit, when I'm out with my dog walking, I take pictures and I've gotten really into macro pictures where I can take the very close up of a flower or something like that. And then I want to put those on some t-shirts and get those out. And I want to do podcasting too. I want to um, see if I can work with the National Federation of the Blind. They don't have anything right now as far as uh, podcasting. And so I want to interview people about their experience with blindness, whether they were born with it, they were, you know, acquired it in childhood, adolescence, adulthood. How do you deal with that? What kinds of things, you know, have you learned? So those are the kinds of things. I need to write a book, which I've started. And, and nice. I, I want to, you know, share some things and, and wisdom that I've learned, you know, about as my, my mentor, Dr. Lina Samora would say, a thimble full of information I want to share with people about what I've learned so far. Oh, oh my, awesome. You know, love Dr. Samora. She was an oh. amazing, amazing woman, amazing professor. And there was always such an energy about her that. Yeah. Oh. She's awesome. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I love the fact that I had the 
opportunity to have classes with her, you know, just mm-hmm. an amazing woman. I think it's important too, you know, when you're of a culture, we we happen to be part of the Latina, uh, the Latin culture, and uh, yeah. to have those professors, those people who are professors or, you know, and all of that, that you can actually go to and, you know, they kind of talk like you. <laughs> oh my God. I remember when I was an undergraduate, my a freshman in, in at college at Adams State and she happened to be, I don't know if it was because she was Latina and I was Latina, but she was my advisor. And I remember her kicking my butt and saying, you know what, Renee, you got to speak up in class. I was so shy, if you can imagine. You got to speak up in class. You got to sit in the front row. You got to take notes. You got to do all this stuff if you're going to make it. You got to get your butt in gear and represent. She was a powerhouse, is a powerhouse of a wife. I still keep in touch with her. Oh, yeah. absolutely. She's uh, just phenomenal. I don't know if you ever had her. I didn't. But oh, did you say you got to get to the front of the classroom, take notes so you can stop being so shy? Yeah. Is that what I'm hearing? Because then you can yes. look, look at how she turned out. I know. <laughs> Just look at me. <laughs> but, you know, it, it is. You know, it's such it's been such an amazing journey for you. And we are so grateful that you shared that with us because then we get to share it with so many other people. And I think it will inspire people. I think that to to realize Adversity is going to happen, as you say. Life's going to kind of blindside you. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but what do you do with it? You know, and how do you? Because you still have that infectious energy. Yes, you know, love that. I always love that it, that you're one of my favorite professors uh-huh. there because I always felt like that you you just emanated that joy and in learning and that and I I love that. Thanks, Christy. Yeah. Not enough for her to change her major, but you know. <laughs> Yeah, what's up with that? <laughs> <laughs> but we often, you know, no, you know, seriously, Renee, we often talk about you and we keep saying we're getting out to your part of the country at some point. I wish you would. It's actually on our list. Yes. You know, we love to travel. I always tell people, my my new clients coming in, I work three months and take a vacation. I work three months to take a vacation. Um, As it should be, yeah. I always tell people you gotta do those things to take care of yourself. You gotta do those things. And, and if you don't do those things, then resentments, all sorts of other, this negative stuff yeah. starts to come in. And, you know, it takes you know one of my regrets, one of my regrets, I remember when I was in my office at Adam State and you guys came in and I had already, I think I was, had already taken the job in DC and you guys are going to get married and you asked me to be in your wedding and I couldn't believe it. I was floored. I was so honored that you thought that much of me that you would actually have me in your wedding. And I couldn't do it because I was moving, but man, I, that meant so much to me that you thought about me that way. And, and I really wanted to, th- I never got to say that I would have been there in a heartbeat, except that I was leaving, you know, the San Luis Valley, but you know, thank you for including me in that. Well, you kind of made up for it. You came on today on one day's notice, you know, come on now. That's somebody who goes to bat for you. Oh, I love you guys. I would be there for anything. Yeah. <laughs> Once again, just so privileged and honored that you would join us and, and, and share your story. So we're going to get ready to sign off, but you stay on with us. If anybody out there is listening and they need an organization, talk about the organization once again. It's the National Federation of the Blind. And there it's it's nationwide. Every Colorado has one of the most active uh, federations. And 
local chapters. I don't know if the San Luis Valley has a local chapter, but Denver has many chapters and, and around Colorado, there are so many chapters and it's worth looking into chapter dues for a cha to belong to a chapter is like $5 a year for everybody. So oh, wow. it's accessible and it's advocacy. It, they offer education. They offer training for people who are blind or, or newly blind. So it's, and, and networking. It's just amazing. Outstanding. So anybody out there who needs that information, there it is. And then you're going to be starting your t-shirt business and What's what do you what do you call them? Yeah, do you have a website or anything yet? Yes, I do. The store is called the Happy Turtle T-shirt store, and it's part of ESF Productions LLC. And I've got uh, the website is uh, www.esf- you're not going to remember this esf-productions.myshopify.com. Okay. And it's okay because you know it's a podcast. They you know if they miss it, they can go rewind it. Yeah, rewind. Yeah, yeah. Outstanding. That's so cool and it's exciting. And then you know, once you get your podcast up and going, you know, we'll let everybody know about that too. And your book coming out. Yeah. We're all about spreading it around and letting people know about things that are going on. So we really appreciate that. Got a lot yes. of new exciting ventures happening. Yes. <laughs> no, yes. Cross your fingers. So, <laughs> Once again, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we so, so appreciate it. And for everybody, once again, the organization is? National Federation of the Blind. Very good. We are so grateful for everybody for joining us. As we always tell you, we're you're just always the gratitude that we have for our listeners and stuff. Once again, thank you so much. Um, we hope that you guys all have a wonderful week. And we will be back next week. And hopefully everything going well, we will have another guest on and spread some more information about stuff going on with their life and stuff. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>